This is our summer series. We're in the eighth part. And we've simply called this series Whatever. And um, I tend to like to teach from a model that we get a concept and we kind of tether off of it. We come back to it and then we run down this road and we run down this road and we go down all of these different places. And it's kind of like deciding you, you want to understand West Texas and you kind of take all these back country roads and the more country roads you take, the more you understand West Texas. Well, that's what we're doing with this concept is we're taking all of these little, these little back country roads as we are looking at this concept of how and what we think about impacting our lives, our whole lives, everything that we do comes in and out of this. So let's take your notes, let's get into them. Our lives are built by the choices we make. That's how our lives are constructed. It's not simply by the clock ticking. It's by choice making. And how we think and what we think about guide our decisions. These are our life building processes obviously if Jesus came that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly then that means that our life building processes have to be healthy and if our decisions are built and they come out of what we think about then our thought life has to be something that is productive that is that is healthy Let's look at Philippians 4.8. We come back to this every time. This is kind of our center hub of our, of our tour of whatever. And <clears throat> Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I love it that it's whatever. It's not this little narrow cast. Here it comes squished into this little Christian box. And you're going to just talk. You just think about halos and fluffy clouds. And and these different little sweet precious moments. Jesus-y kind of things. No, it's these big whatever concepts. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. And we've jumped into each one of those. But all of a sudden, he uses whatever over and over again. It's pretty stinking intentional. He could have simply said and been a little more expedient and said whatever is and then run a bunch of commas together and just put it all together. But he, he comments and he puts every time, oh, whatever is this, whatever is that. And then we get to this moment. And he doesn't say whatever. He says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. On the first ones, there's lots of these. It's wide open. Pure, noble, lovely, it's wide open. But on this one, he pulls it down and recognizes this one is going to be a little more rare on this earth. A little more rare. This is if anything. That means that you're going to have to hunt a little bit. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy. This, folks, is the stuff that represents God on this planet. There's sometimes we have these moments that we have an encounter with an individual or we have something in our lives and we're like, my goodness, this has got to be a taste of heaven itself. That this goes beyond the regular day in and day out good stuff of life and this steps into this place because see our God he is an excellent God he is the only one worthy of praise so if we're thinking of something that's excellent or praiseworthy this is stuff that's connected back to who 
God is. For us to frame this up a little bit, let's think more in the concept where our TV stations and, and stuff are just inundated. There's probably a, some award show this week. There's award shows all the time. Award shows for this and for that and all of these different pieces. This is the award show kind of thing. Or maybe the greatest, the, the greatest hits or the, the plays of the year. Football is about to get started back up again. Anybody who's, yeah, you got some people cheering about that. So football, fall, West Texas football get fired up again. And you know what? In every game, every game, there are some plays that are done. Just, they're just good plays. But not every game. There are going to be some good hits, some good catches. But not every game is there going to be a hit of the season or a catch of the season. This is what I'm talking about. This is what this excellent and praiseworthy. This is that thing that doesn't just go, wow, yeah, you executed it, you did it right, awesome, good job. This is that, oh my goodness, we're going to be talking about this at our 20-year high school reunion. Do you remember that catch? And everybody says, yep. Because it was set apart. It wasn't just a good catch. It was this amazing, how did they get it done kind of thing. And guess what? Your life has these moments. You're like, no, Pastor Brandon, I have a, I have a boring life. I don't really have much happen. Bull. The thing is, is most of us have these moments and we let them slip away and we don't hide them in our hearts and keep them close to us. There are these moments that come and so much of it, it determines on where our perspective is if we're going to see them or not. Now, um, a few months ago, and I've shared this at a, at a men's lunch, and, uh, but a few months ago, we uh, have our suburban, our family vehicle, and uh, my wife was loading up our two little ones to be able to go somewhere. And anybody that knows my wife knows that she always has a drink with her. She's got a nice big drink with her up front today. She's always got her tea or something. And, um, and so, and uh, anyway, so she's busy loading up the kids, loads them up, and uh, it's just one. I was, oh, you were, pre- that's right, she was pregnant. It was a few more months ago. Uh, anyways, let me back the story up a little bit. She first, she, I get home and she tells me, Bran, I, I got to show you something. And she shows me this door that's dented, like dented, dented. And uh, so she's like concerned, I'm going to get upset about this. And uh, she begins to tell me about how this dent comes about. And initially, that thing of, I can't believe this was so preventable. I can't believe you dented our door. And now I'm seeing dollar signs and I got to get it fixed and all of these different things. Well, she had loaded up Colin. She's pregnant with Preslin. She set her tea on the hood to be able to get it all done. Gets in. Our, we have a carport. has some big columns. Gets in the car. Sticks it in reverse. And notices the tea. And just instinctively, I mean, you can't let a good glass of tea go to waste. Man, so you got you to gotta jump out. So she jumps out of the vehicle and doesn't put it into park. So she's not quite long enough 
she puts one foot on the ground and it starts moving backwards and she's doing the one-legged hop thing. And thank goodness, the door hits the column, stops the vehicle. My wife could have been run over, my baby girl locked in, shooting out into the street, all sorts of stuff. She didn't even know. All she saw was the little place that you can't even hardly tell at the bottom of the door that was crumpled up. I'm like, woman, you're short, but you're not that short. There's a major dent in the door right here. I mean, it looks like another door handle. I was like, I guess this happened at the same time. And she's like, I didn't even see that one. How do you not see that one? And I refer to that dent as my favorite dent. I love that dent. We still have it. I have not fixed it. I will eventually fix this dent. But I'm telling you, everything naturally within me would see that and just be upset. I look at that dent and I smile every time I see that dent. Because that was the difference between my wife getting knocked down at best, run over at worst, and my baby girl getting shot out and into the street. I am thankful for the dent. It is a wonderful moment for me. Every time I look at that, it's just, I just appreciate the protection and the hand of God. And that thing came together and that my family's okay. It changed that. All of a sudden I had this moment that could have been an ugly, nasty moment between the two of us. And now we have this little memorial dent in our car <laughs> that is like, whoo, I love this dent. This is the best dent ever. And... Uh, and so on, and I appreciate the fact that I learned that response from my dad. Now, I've shared with y'all before that growing up, my, my dad is a passionate guy and he can get wired up. And um, whenever I was, I loved to build stuff when I was younger, and I had a tree house, and I decided in my tree house that I needed an elevator. So we had an old gate, I got some rope, I got a pulley system. And built my pulley system and got it to where I could sit on the gate. Came up, ropes came up to a center point. I could sit on there, pull the pulleys, and go up into my treehouse. I built an elevator. Problem was, it didn't have. I'd had the design for the stabilizing rails deals, but I, I didn't build it. And I was testing my elevator, and I got working as I'm pulling, and it's swinging and it busts my window. It's right beside my bedroom. Well, my mom sees that, and she's like, boy, your dad is going to totally, he is going to be so mad. He's going to tear into you. And so I'm waiting for my dad to get home, and I'm just sitting there in my room, my busted window. My dad comes in, and my mom tells I've got to break the news to you. She said, Brandon built an elevator, and he busted the window. And my dad's like, Brandon built an elevator? And he busted the window. He built an elevator. Did it work? Yeah, that's how he busted the window. And my dad was like, boy, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, I thought I was, I was like packing books in my rear. I was getting ready for a whooping. And all of a sudden, I'm like the boy genius for my dad. And instead, I had cardboard in that window for months. And... Um, but the, uh, it was the perspective on it. All of a sudden we begin to see something a little bit different. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him 
who called us by his own glory and goodness. That goodness is this same word, excellence. By his own glory. We understand that all glory belongs to him and his excellence. We need to find those things. Look for those moments where, where someone begins to respond and act like God in a situation when it really could have gone a whole other different way. And all of a sudden the grace of God comes in. These are those things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Psalms 78.4 says, And we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation, the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. I learned my response because my daddy showed me how to do that, how to respond in a different way. Our kids are going to learn how to see God at work in our lives when we begin to model it for them. We begin to talk about, man, God was with us on these moments and God was... A, really stepped in and we looked to God and we prayed and here we were and it was crunch time and these are those things that are excellent praiseworthy and every family that's been following God for any length of time is going to have these moments just the fact that we've stepped over from death to life and and in Christ are we have we have new life in Christ that is an excellent and praiseworthy moment and our children should know our salvation stories they should know how we came to Christ and in those different moments, how we decided that we saw that we needed a Savior and Jesus was Him. See, the, this Greek word here means excellence or virtue and moral goodness. Its root word means lifting. So this concept of whatever is lifting. Most of us need a little lift in life. Most of us need things can begin to beat us down and tear us down. So think about things that are uplifting or deserving of applause. In our family, we don't do it all the time, but we have a thing that we do. If somebody has just an awesome moment, then we do, all right, three cheers for whoever. Keenan for doing an awesome lead today on the guitar. So we would do three cheers for Keenan. We do our hip, hip, hooray, and we do that together as a family, and we find these these moments that are cheer-worthy, applause-worthy moments, these exist in our relationship with God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are royal. I don't care what Lord says. Oh, we'll never be royal. Well, guess what? She needs to get saved because then you can be royal. It's true. You know the song. Don't act all holier than thou at me. You know the song. I'm not going to sing. But we're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. That's what we're called. We, you and I, the way we are right now. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises, the excellence, the praiseworthy deeds of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is part of why we're called. We need to be willing to do it. 2 Peter 1.5 says, For this reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness. It's that same word as excellence. Add to your faith these things that represent God here. We did a whole series last, this last fall on add to your faith. 
Now I want us to look real quick and we're going to see a psalm of David. And we see that sometimes we don't have to come out of the starting blocks right to have it end right. We can come out goofed up and all of a sudden change directions. Let's look at Psalm. We're going to read the whole thing. If you've never read an entire chapter of the Bible in your life, you're about to do it. Let's do it. Psalm 13, verse 1. Psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? It's pretty whiny. How long will you hide your face from me? I feel completely disconnected from God. I'm with God, where are you? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Oh, wow. At least he's admitting what's the real problem here. And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me. Answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. It's honest. It's raw. It's where he's at in the moment. God had it recorded for us to read and understand. That you know what? Well, it, we have these moments. This is written by the guy in the Old Testament that says he's the man after God's own heart. Okay, it's okay to be raw and honest and in this moment. Let's just make sure we keep going like David kept going. Let's look at the next verse. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. Does it sound like he had just been deluged with a bunch of unfailing love right in his face? God, where are you? My enemy's triumphing over me. Ooh, I feel loved by God. I forget all my little goosebumps, warm ticklies all over me. No. This guy's been having it rough and he makes a decision. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. He begins to shift his attitude. He begins to shift those thoughts he was wrestling with and begins to recognize that God is for him no matter what the struggle is in the moment that God's for him. That the ultimate win, the salvation does come, that God is good. And he begins to shift that. That's the whole psalm right there. Titus 3.8 says, This is a trustworthy saying and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to do what is good. But, and these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Simply trusting in God. Trusting in God. That's where our connection comes. That's where our right standing comes. That's where that whole royal priesthood, chosen people thing, that's where that comes from is just us recognizing and placing our faith in Christ. And then out of that, out of that trusting God, comes all of this good stuff. All of these wonderful things. And this is excellent and profitable. Also want to define this looking for what's excellent and praiseworthy by what it's not. And it's not. It is the opposite of nitpicking. And I tell you what. There's a, there's, we need to deal with this as a group of Christ followers. We have to as church wide. Everyone. Every Every group of believers on every street corner. 
we have to get this down. See, Galatians 5, 13 through 16 says, You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you'll be destroyed by one another. So many times we can think that indulging the flesh means going out and getting drunk or, or doing all sorts of just stupid stuff that we see, okay, this obviously isn't life-giving. But when we read this passage, what is indulging the flesh? Right here, let the text define itself. Biting at each other. Taking out our little aggressions on each other. Tearing each other apart. That's the deal of the flesh. Like, how is that? Because it makes you feel better. That's why you're doing it. You get this little thing where you get to nip at somebody. We have to stop that or we're going to be devoured by our own selves. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you find yourself being negative towards people and tearing people down and being judgmental, man, just step over and say, Holy Spirit, help me to see people the way you see them. Help me to connect. James 1, 4 through 5 says, Let perseverance or patience finish its perfect work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Okay, so if patience is having to finish its work, then so that we won't be, <clears throat> so that we will be mature and complete and not lacking anything. That means in the process, we're immature, incomplete, and we're lacking some stuff. That means that's what it is. So that means as you and I are all in process, we're all immature in some places, incomplete in some places, and we're lacking in some places. But what we don't need is each other nipping at each other about them all the time. Let's push each other and remind each other, man, God's for you. God's love you. Keep walking with Him. Lean into the Spirit and trust that the Holy Spirit will deal with that, that whatever's driving you up the wall. Because He will. <clears throat> if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Paul, when we're looking at this concept of excellence, Paul gives the best definition in the whole world of excellence. See, love is the most excellent way. 1 Corinthians 12. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now this was a letter written all in one fluid deal. It didn't break into chapters. We did that so we could find stuff. So this is the next thought. I'll show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I own, I'm only a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I can talk, angel talk. I'm that spiritually mature. And then love isn't there, it's worthless. Absolutely worthless. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains. This is referencing one of Jesus' teachings. He said, if I can do it, if I can put it into practice like Jesus said, I'm only a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is the most excellent way. I don't know if you follow our 
blog on our Facebook. Or we every year we've got our blog books out there from previous years. We read through the Bible together. Start in January. You can pick up at any moment, and you'll be done this time next year. And somebody in uh, we're connected with writes every day about the reading of that day. And Randy Chavez um, shared with us, and if you if you read it, you know where I'm going. And um, shared with us a, a really awesome moment between him and his his young son Jalen. And Randy's open in the blog about the fact that his father was not present in his growing up years at all. And in fact, he just recently began to have any kind of connection just and hasn't really met face to face his dad. And of course, here's he's a Randy's an awesome dad, has two kids. And so like all little kids, they ask questions about his growing up and I want to know about your dad. And then here's this void in his life that don't have a dad. And so finally because of Jalen's questions Randy's had some sort of connection and made some, some, some online connection with his father, and still, it's still in its infancy. And Jalen was asking him more questions about his grandpa. And finally, Randy turns to Jalen and says, well, if you could talk to him, what would you say? And of course, from Randy's place, of what he had gone through and not having the dad and the hurt and all of these different things, Randy has a completely different list of questions. And he talks about them in the blog. Of where were you? Why weren't you there for me? Why didn't you care enough? Why have you not, not even, you have got grandkids? All these different stuff going through Randy's mind. And here's this kid. And he knows he wasn't there for his dad. He says, well, I'd ask him if he likes football. He just want to know about him. He just want to know. Just want to know. See, that is God's heart for us. We think that he's up there and he's just ready. And if we open the lines of communication, he's just going to smack us and talk about all the stuff we don't want to talk about. You know what? All he just wants to do is just know you. And be known. That's what this is about. That's why Celebration Church is about knowing God better and trusting Him more. And that His love is bigger than our mistakes. And He demonstrated it in such a big way that He sent His Son to die so they could be pushed out of the way. And that's not even involved in our relationship anymore. Our shortcomings and the sin stuff is not even involved in it anymore. Jesus took care of it. So that it can just be about us and Him. Love is that most excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, beyond faith, beyond hope, the greatest of these is love. See, folks, we must choose to make the truth that God has given us in his word be the foundation for what we think, how we make our decisions. That God loves us. He's for us. He's already called you a royal priesthood. If you've, if you've placed your faith in him, he's already said that you're chosen. He's, he says so much more to say about you than you could ever think that he would. And it's good and it's life-giving. It changes everything. And if you feel like you're on the outside looking in, we can fix that right now. I want to create a quiet moment. 
See, it feels like the separation between life and death and it's so, so far. But really, it's been bridged by Jesus. 